October's wrapping up. We're almost into November and that means we're heading into the holiday season and that means gift buying and gift giving. Pretty Level Light Candle Co. has amazing candles for your gift giving this holiday season. They pour each and every candle in-house in small batches with love. They use 100% soy harvested by the hardworking hands of farmers from right here in the Midwest. The integrity of their candles is so important to them. They use safe, eco-friendly, clean burning fragrance oils and they're phthalate free and contain no parabens or other toxins. Their fragrances are also sourced from the Midwest, so they support other small family businesses. You can go to prettylittlelightcandleco.com and use the code BOOMCLAP to save 20% on your order. Welcome to the Boom Clap Podcast. Today, we have Jill Rowe of Rowe Casa Organics on with us. And I was telling Cecily earlier, I just sort of have an aversion to having people on our podcast that we have ad space with and that we advertise for. Because, and I think this is just a personal problem, like something about like feeling like I'm doing something for myself and that this podcast could come across as a whole ad for them. But Cecily sent me a post that Jill made on Facebook about her own personal story with breast cancer. And so we have a very specific reason for having her on today to tell that story. And like usual, it went even better than we expected. And I think you guys, we're just more excited than we had even anticipated to put this episode out to you because of her story and just what she went through, how she walked through it with the Lord. Um, his hand in starting the Rocasa business and just all all that we can learn from her. Um, One thing I want to mention though, before we get into this, and I know I just said, I don't want this to be an ad, but I can't imagine you listening to this episode and not Mm -hmm. wanting to try the Rocasa products. You're you're just going to Mm -hmm. want to. So we do have a 20% off coupon. You can use the code BOOMCLAP or click the link in our show notes if you haven't ordered from them before to save 20%. Yeah, no, this is a really great episode. And What I really hope is that you guys share this widely. And again, it's not for the gain of our podcast that I'm wanting that, but Jill is going to tell us a story of essentially learning something about her health the hard way. And I just think that she's giving us a gift in doing that. We get the opportunity to learn from her and hopefully not have to go through what she went through. And you never know who it's going to be in your life that is faced with that. So that's why I'm thinking you guys need to share this widely. And I think you'll agree once you listen, there's there's some really powerful testimony in here from her. Yeah. It's like I always tell my oldest daughter, or actually my middle daughter, when my oldest daughter does something that she gets in trouble for, you know, I'm like, hey, mm-hmm. learn from her mm-hmm. bad experience. <laughs> like she had an experience totally. that you can learn from and you won't have to repeat. I mean, that's mm-hmm. on a very simple level. This is on a much bigger level, but same it's concept. It's true in life. Yeah, it's yeah, really same true Same concept. In life. Yeah. So another thing I want to mention before we get into the episode is, you know, we get messages often um, telling us how we're, you know, like your friends that you don't, friends that you don't even know you have, I guess, like you listen to this and feel like, yeah, yeah, feel like you're chit-chatting with a friend, but we don't know each other actually. But guys, the real, the reality is you guys are our friends. We don't know too, because Mm -hmm. in real life, I'm able to have these conversations with people, but not everybody's on the same page. And I know not all of you are on a hundred percent the same page Mm -hmm. with us, but we're all open to having these discussions together. Mm -hmm. And this is just a place for us to be able to do that. And we appreciate that. Um, but 
over the last few months, we've gotten new listeners who message and they're like, is this your first um, step into the health arena or natural wellness arena? Like how, you know, how did you get here? And they don't really know our backstory. So we're your friends, but you don't really know us that well because Mm -hmm. it's for the um, duration. So just really quickly how we started um, in 2020, you know, Cecily and I have been doing health things together for a while now, but in 2020, I started speaking up surrounding the COVID situation in March, like when it first started rolling out. I saw the writing on the wall very early for a mandate. Um, And essentially the old adage, never let a crisis go to waste being played out through the COVID scenario. And in that, um, you know, speaking up, my platform grew a bit. Cecily and I, like I said, had been already working together on some health-related ventures. And we decided to join together and start a podcast where we could talk about things going on in the government, things going on in the world, things going on with health, but all rooted um, in our values and our Christian worldview and with a foundation that really um, anchors every episode in what we value because we found that a lot of the problems happening in the world are because people lack a true moral foundation. So that's kind of how we started. And Cecily, do you have anything to add to that? <laughs> I have nothing to add really about how we got started. Um, but just a little bit more about us personally. Rita and I haven't met in person yet. It's something we're still working on. COVID really yep. threw a, a wrench in that. Wrench. And then Rita had a beautiful baby and, you know. He's all sitting there with me right now. If you hear yeah. little noises in the background yeah. of this intro, he's hanging with me. <laughs> it's just the sweetest little thing. Um, I love it when she has him on so that I can see him and just see how he's growing and stuff. But um, Rita is in the United States. I'm in Canada. Um, I think that makes this podcast a little bit extra special mm-hmm. just because I'm just fully Canadian and she's just fully American. And we get to talk about <laughs> the similarities in our countries and also the differences. So I don't know. I think when you live in North America, there's a lot of cross-cultural stuff in the U.S. and Canada. And so it's cool to have a couple different perspectives about what we're seeing in our own countries. Um, We both have three kids and awesome husbands. We're both in the country. And as of right now, we both homeschool our kids. Rita started, this is her second year and this is my sixth year. So we definitely are turning more into each other as we get older. It's a weird thing. <laughs> the yeah. longer we know each other. I'm laughing that you said fully Canadian, fully American. Because I feel like <laughs> being fully American is not necessarily a compliment. So it's kind of funny. Um, but you know speaking, what? Maybe fully Canadian isn't either. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> speaking of that though, this episode with Jill Rowe, when we got done, I said, oh yes. man, he is Texas bottled up in a woman. And uh-huh. Cecily's like, is that a compliment? I said, absolutely. Like I... I think Texas, mm-hmm. you know, well, obviously you love talking with Jill. I didn't mean it like that, but no, I loved know, it. she meant like, yeah. is being Texas a compliment? And to me it is because I think mean, Texas is awesome. So you guys yeah. are going to like this episode. Um, are you oh, fake coughing? I think he is fake coughing. <laughs> he started this thing where he found that he can cough and he thinks it's funny. So anyway, as funny. we get <laughs> before we get into this episode, as you're listening, make sure you click the follow button wherever you're listening. If it's Spotify, Apple, whatever, it'll say follow. You can click that. It helps us come to your phone every week when we release an episode. Also, don't forget to leave us a review wherever you listen. That really helps push us out to new listeners. Let's get into it with Jill Rowe. 
All right, guys, we have Jill Rowe with us. Jill, we're so happy to have you on the podcast with us today. This was kind of a surprise episode. Cecily had sent me a Facebook post that you wrote out and we were both like, whoa, this Mm -hmm. hits home with us. And we want to hear your story, want our listeners to hear your story and kind of talk about what you laid out there. But before we get into that, can you just give our listeners some background into who you are, um, what you do and all that? Sure. Um, So I'm a mom of four and um, I was a speech therapist for many years and for about 15 years and um, was just real involved with working with children, loved what I did. Um, And so I just started getting a little concerned about uh, health things, working with children and they were always sick and my kids were always sick. And then I had a few things that I wasn't you know, I was struggling with and um, just kind of started tapping on the window to natural health and figuring out, is there something more? So um, in the middle of just, I mean, I, I was very involved. I had three, I worked for three different companies as a speech therapist. So I didn't really have time to have a side gig, but I made some elderberry syrup through just a little bit of research and some some crunchy friends on my social media and um, started feeling better. My kids stopped getting sick. And so I it really made me start questioning the system and some things like that. And I had some doctors in my life that got it wrong enough to make me question mm-hmm. maybe the system at hand. And so, uh, yeah, that's really my story. Elderberry became a whole thing. People were lined up in my driveway eventually picking some up because I announced on, I'm a big Facebook poster. So, um, I announced my excitement about, I don't even cook. That's what my husband and I laugh about this because he's always like, it's so funny that you decided to make elderberry one day. You don't even cook dinner. I'm like, I know. It's awful. I mean, like, how did this even happen? I don't know. But I just, when I get my mind set on something, I'm going to do it eventually. And so I didn't super love what I saw on the shelf. So I made elderberry syrup and announced it to all of Facebook. And then I started feeling better. Then I was kind of like in shock, like, is this a thing? Started telling people about that. And it was people, hey, can you make me some? Or kind of have those extra jars? Or, And it just grew from there. That's how the whole health journey for me started. It was like, wow, okay, I'm getting to like see changes in people's lives and my own too, and my kids. And uh, then it was like, what else is there out there that I can learn about? And I'm a big researcher. So um, at night when the kids would go to bed, I would be researching, trying to learn everything that I could, ordering all the books and just really couldn't get enough. And um, that's how that, how that went. That was about five years ago. And uh, so I, uh, it was funny, my friends, when they would come to my house, we, we joked and said, Rocasa Organics. I guess I had a few little health things that I would do that, you know, like Himalayan salt. They thought that was funny that my salt was pink, things like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, nothing major, but just enough. But they would, so we would say, this is the Rocasa Organics. And uh, anyway, that's how the, even the business name started is I started a, a Facebook page to just talk about some of the things I was learning. And I said, oh, that'll be funny. I'll just call it Rocasa Organics. And that, it's stuck. Here we are. 
<laughs> so it was all kind of in fun. And like I said, I didn't have a lot of a lot of time, but I was so intrigued by what was happening just with one small change that I made. So that eventually took over mine and my husband. My husband was my shipping department. Um, once we started actually selling the things I was making and he would ship out of my garage, I would make it in my kitchen. I changed my sitting room to my, like my laboratory, but you know, I was like whipping up creams. I was having the time of my life. And so I was just like, what else can I make that I can trust? Because evidently I can't trust anything on the shelf the more yeah. I read. And so I was just a little bit like determined. So that's my story. It eventually took over our lives and we became a business, but yeah. <laughs> I think that's really cool. Like especially when you consider how it started with you just trying some elderberry syrup that you made for your family and right. joking around with some friends about, you know, your house was this, you know, <laughs> Ro Casa organics. And I think it's really cool, like to just see like how these small beginnings can turn into something so massive that you don't even see coming. No. Uh, this, when you just kind of yes. like open yourself up to it and just it's taking step after step. That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. You, you don't realize what such a small step can do. I mean, uh, it's amazing what God has done. Honestly, that's that's the only place I can give credit to because okay. I didn't mean to start a business at all. But yeah, I, I quickly realized a lot of people were in that same search mode that I was in, which was sick and tired of being sick and tired. And what can I do? What, how, how can I feel empowered in my home? to change things because the system just wasn't getting it right for a lot of people. I was mm -hmm. evidently not alone. And I thought I was, I thought nobody, everybody's going to think this is so silly. Elderberry syrup, you know, this was before elderberry syrup was like even a thing, you know, really. And so kind of a new concept and uh, the community here um, embraced it wholeheartedly, yeah. wholeheartedly. <laughs> and I was like, wow, there's, there's a ministry here for me and I need to keep going. So that's how I saw it. Wow. It's interesting. Cool. I, I want to say like gateway drug, but elderberry syrup yeah. would be considered. It's like the yeah. gateway non-drug really for a lot of people into the it, health and wellness, yeah. you know. It has been. Yeah. It really yeah. has been. But man, I relate so much just being, because I worked in, quote, the system, but have been mm -hmm. failed so many times by the system. Yeah. Like I can't think of one time where I had like something big happen in my life where I needed some health care and I didn't have to advocate for myself and figure it out Absolutely. myself. And right. so um, it was interesting when Cecily sent the Facebook post that you posted, we both just resonated so much because we had done an actual episode called the business of awareness, I believe, right. and basically talking about these cancer awareness events. I think there's one in the winter sometime too, where they wear green and I, I was just so annoyed. I had messaged Cecily. I was so annoyed. I yes. went to a Purdue basketball game and the players are wearing like lime green socks. The cheerleaders oh, yeah. have these whole different <laughs> outfits for one game. And I'm like, how it's stupid is thing. this? How much wow. money have they wasted on these uniforms oh, yeah. and everything? Oh, yeah. And then they're selling as much beer as they can at uh -huh. the concession stand. And I'm uh -huh. not opposed to everybody having a beer every <laughs> once in a while, whatever. But like, not they're the promoting, of cancer, right? Yeah, right. they're promoting a cancer-causing, you know, right. yeah. go drink this and get cancer, uh -huh. but also uh -huh. let's fight cancer. It's just a whole show. <laughs> And so anyway, and donuts and candy bars and yeah. suckers to two year olds. I'm like, yes. are you kidding me? Yeah, <laughs> this, is, Absolutely. this is so wrong. Everything's Absolutely. wrong about it. <laughs> so you yeah. wrote in the beginning of this post, October's a weird month for me. I don't want to wear pink. The pink ribbon at every turn makes me nauseous. Having breast mm -hmm. cancer was like joining a group I never wanted to be in. 
And then you went on to give a glimpse into your story and what we could do as some Mm -hmm. real solutions outside Mm -hmm. of the pink ribbon. So Mm -hmm. to start, just can you tell us a little bit about having cancer, your diagnosis, um, life at the time, and then we'll get into more of the solutions after that. Yeah. So, um, like I said, I, d- I did speech therapy. Actually, my sister, who I mentioned a lot, being my co-owner, um, she had she was probably about ten years ahead of me on her health journey. She had a lot of health issues. I did not really like how serious is, you know, and you don't know what you don't know. And I didn't have a reason really. I mean, had an occasional sinus infection that I was annoyed by, right? UTIs. Okay. You know, but nothing. She had autoimmune and things, you know, things that can really take you out. So she was forced to learn. So I would glean a little bit of information from her along the way, but I, I was a YOLO, like you, you only live once. I'm going to live my best life kind of gal. And so I was not deep into, I was just going to, I was doing, you know, trying to slay my my job goals that I had, career goals. I was, you know, raising a family and I just never gave it a lot of time or thought into my health journey until I had to, right? So I did get tired of having some of these infections as a, just as a speech therapist working with children. I got tired of going and watching these kids just snot all over the place. Every time I would work with them, the daycares, I really was like, and, and just daycares and schools alone just gave me enough you know, like raising my eyebrows, like they're cleaning the walls with bleach every time I walk in here. Like I leave with a sore throat every time I visit this daycare. Mm. What is it doing to these kids? Like oh, I was yeah. just, my, my my wheels were already turning. Mm. That combined with watching my mom pop a pill for every ill growing up, I thought, what happened? I, as a child, I was so afraid. Like what happens if she runs out of those pills? Like does my mom die? You know, like it was scary for me. Like I, mm. I was like, I couldn't even as a little girl figure out how that was beneficial, you know, like surely there's a better way. My gut, even as like a small child was saying, there's got to be something better out there. Like, were we just created to be dependent on medicine? Like, what if that, what if she can't get that medicine? You know, just, just even then. So it was always probably stirring in me. I just didn't really know until I I had the time to, you know, devote to it. But, um, so when I accidentally started Rocasa, I slowly started. I mean, it didn't slowly start, but I, on my journey, slowly started. So I was taking elderberry syrup and it, I stopped getting sinus infections and urinary tract infections and my kids weren't snotting near as often and I wasn't having to run the night. Okay, wow. So what next? So I was learning. It opened my eyes to like, hey, if you really use quality ingredients and you do things the right way, it can be pretty life changing. And so, um, I started surrounding myself with some crunchy mamas. I had my sister who was way far ahead of me in her health journey. She used to talk to me about false fragrance and I would laugh at her. I was the Scentsy queen and I thought she had just lost her mind over there in the big city. And, you know, and now I'm like, like it's banned from my house. Like we're so anti-false fragrance, but I did, I just thought she was crazy. Cause I, I didn't know, I didn't know what I didn't know. And so just so many, so many things started to kind of add up. And then when I got tired of being, there was a few instances where I'm like, my kids had ringworm one time from a guinea pig that we had just a small little example, but we went to the, the dermatologist and uh, he sent us home with a steroid cream and then sent us home with a pamphlet that said the one thing you don't use on ringworm is a steroid cream. And I remember looking at that packet and looking at the steroid cream and I'm like, you literally sent me home with something that says, don't do this, but you 
sent this for me to treat and it was get, getting worse. It was on their faces. So it was getting worse. Mm. I was just so annoyed by the medical system. There were just several things like that, that I was like, something is off. Like there's a disconnect here. So needless to say, I started switching my products, but I was not I didn't know how to eat. I didn't know how to manage my stress. I was drinking lots of alcohol in my free time. I mean, doing a lot of the wrong things because YOLO, right? Well, um, and I, I did not mean to start a health business, but it happened so fast and it grew so fast. So that was like 2017, 18. And then um, I was well on my journey, but had what, 35, 37 years of really poor. I mean, literally Dr. Pepper and Pop-Tarts for breakfast for a lot of years. <laughs> That's just what we did. Um, growing up, it was the Cheetos and the Pop-Tarts and the sodas. And, you know, we might be limited, but we had them, you know, and I just, there was so much about health that I still did not know. And in 2020, I got pregnant with our fourth child um, and was doing fine. I thought, um, seven months into that pregnancy, uh, I had been at the lake with my family, took off my bin suit and found like had this spot on my breast that hurt, which typically doesn't mean cancer. Right. Um, but it hurt really bad. And I was like, what is that? And then over a few weeks, it started getting hard, like a tumor mm -hmm. would. And I was like, what is that? I thought I damaged some milk ducts or something, you know? Um, went in to um, my uh, my uh, doctor and he said, well, let's just go get it checked out. Went and they missed it. But uh, when you're pregnant, trying to find breast cancer, it's not easy because your boob, you know, your breasts do lots of weird things. Mm -hmm. And so um, I kept thinking, well, what is this in my breast? It, at this point was very painful and was about four inches. Um, and was, I was just like, well, what is this? Is it going to go away? It's really annoying. It hurts. So he said, well, let's go get a second opinion. So we went to a different hospital here locally and they were able to discover that, um, that I had breast cancer. And, um, the, the knowledge here is very limited. I live in a smaller town. They do their best, but it was, uh, first they called me back and said I had DCIS, um, and then they call back, no, it's invasive ductal carcinoma. It was, the information was real scattered at that point. Um, ends up, what, you know, the final say was I had microinvasive DCIS. So DCIS is typically contained in the milk ducts. They, some doctors don't even call that cancer. It's precancer cancer sometimes. Um, but it was the early, they didn't even give me a stage. It was like so early in their minds. Um, but when, because of, a lot of the doctors believe because I was pregnant, the DCIS was busting out of the milk duct like by centimeter. And so they call that microinvasive DCIS. So that is that is how I got diagnosed. From there, it was, okay, so here I was. Uh, 2020, worldwide pandemic. I'm already doing all of my appointments alone. Now I'm getting to go in and find out I have breast cancer alone. My husband was involved a little bit, but a lot of that stuff I walked through alone um, and was like, what is going on here? I like literally the health business that I didn't mean to start had blown up before my eyes. We were already nationwide. And I was like, what am I doing now? I have breast cancer. Um, just totally caught me off guard. Um, 
And, but, uh, yeah, I learned a lot through that process, needless to say. So they started all of the testing and that's where I started to question the system even more. And, um, I don't know if you want me to go into that yet, but yeah, that's a whole story too. (laughs) My question is, did it, when you found out you had cancer and started walking through that, did it make you question the fact that you started a health business? And I'm, I don't mean that in a rude sense, but you know yeah, what I yeah. mean? Like sometimes uh-huh. when you're taking on teaching other people about health, it's hard to admit that you might have your own struggle. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I had a lot of different emotions, kind of like, Lord, I mean, I never really took credit for starting the business. So I always felt like God saw a need and allowed us to be a part of that. So I didn't carry that weight because I didn't even mean, Mm -hmm. like I said, I didn't mean Mm -hmm. to start a business, but so it was, the weight was on God's shoulders, but it was, Hey, a lot of questions to God. I can say that God, what's your purpose here? Like you did this is like, did you just set me up to fail? (laughs) You know, like, what have you misled me? I I didn't really question him, but I did, you know, you're, you're human. I'm human. And I was just like, what is the purpose here? This doesn't make sense. But at the same time, I I will be honest. I knew deep down I needed to make some more health changes and I was in no way in, in a um, prepared to lead hundreds, thousands, millions of people in the health world. I was not that person then when I got cancer. I had made some switches. I was really good at talking about it because I was excited. I had discovered something that was helping my family, but don't ask me about my diet or my stress or my sleep patterns or what I did in my free time, right? I was not the person that I think I needed to be in order to lead well. And cancer fast forwarded that for me. And uh, so, yeah, I had the questions, but I deep down knew there might be some purpose in the pain that I was feeling at that moment. Mm. And he, it proved to be true later. You know, you don't really know until you get on the other yeah. side, but you just kind of go through it in faith. And that's, that's kind of how I handled that. But yeah, lots of questions in my mind. Mm. <laughs> I can't even imagine, like, just thinking about what your life must have looked like at that moment, like pregnant, So three other kids, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Huge growing business. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of time when people have health issues that crop up, it can turn into a bit of a vicious circle or cycle, Mm -hmm. I should say, because you don't necessarily have the time or even the energy to address those root causes the way you need to. And then things compound and get worse. And I could absolutely see that in, you know, if in your case, it could go like one of two ways, either the cycle is going and you just are deciding you don't have control over it. So you're just going to roll with it Uh or deciding like, okay, this is the moment where I really need to like address these things, even if I don't have the time or the energy in order to break that cycle. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. At that point, cancer became my training ground. Mm -hmm. I thought, you know, there's a lot of people that look to me for health and I've been able to provide better options for them. That's, that's important. But cancer was most definitely my training ground. And I knew it as I got into it and I realized how crooked, um, the system is, um, when I first got diagnosed, the first thing they did, which they do with everyone, is check your inflammatory markers. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's interesting. I've never had one doctor talk to me about controlling inflammation. This is right. good to know now. Uh-huh. Um, okay, cool. Um, so my inflammatory markers were very low. Then uh, they checked hormone 
is it hormone fat? That's another, the next big thing with breast cancer. Was it because then they're just what? They're just going to shut all your hormones off because God forbid us just teach people how to balance their hormones and understand their menstrual cycles, right? But at that moment, it, it hit me. We are doing it all wrong. And I'm not crazy. I already thought I saw a problem with the conventional medical system. And now I am sure of it. So it's almost sparked a new fire in me to start fighting and learning even more. Like it changed my life. I was just playing with health remedies before. Now I'm in it to win it. You know what I mean? I'm like, okay, y'all just checked my inflammatory markers, but no one's ever talked to me about inflammation. Y'all just wanted to check and see if hormones were a part of the problem. And, but yet no one's ever taught me about hormones. All you've ever done is stick me on birth control. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a that'll that's a whole topic. That is a whole topic. It's a whole topic. It is. I mean, where I don't, I just don't have the words for how far off we've gotten. Mm -hmm. I don't have the words. True. You know what I saw the other day? I saw on Instagram this OBGYN account came up, and for some reason, when I first looked at it, I actually thought she might be like alternative health minded, but then I went to her page and discovered how wrong I was. There was this video of her basically saying, if you are trying to get your hormone balanced, hormones balanced, you have lost your mind essentially because hormone balancing is not a thing. (laughs) And I was just like, you're an OBGYN and you don't know that there needs to be a balance between your estrogen and progesterone. And if Mm -hmm. that gets off, it can feed estrogen dependent conditions. Like it blew my mind. She's basically saying there is no way to balance your hormones. And if you've ever experienced a hormonal issue and have tried to walk through it, you know that that's just a lie. So I don't know if in her case, if she was like straight up lying (laughs) or if she's really that blind that she Mm -hmm. hasn't seen reality. I have to think that they, uh, doctors are typically just so misled and fed Mm -hmm. the things. it's hard to understand. Once you open up your mind and begin to use it as just a normal human being, you're like, it's really hard to understand the misconceptions out there. I think, you know, and I'm not a, I'm not a doctor basher or even a conventional medicine basher. I think there's a place for all of it. I truly do. And I think, um, for so long, the pendulum has swung so far that we've just left behind all common sense and yeah. all natural remedies and all herbal and, and living off the land. Like we've left it all behind and our ancestors used to be over here. That wasn't great either. Y'all, they, you know, they died of things that we're, we won't die of now because we've got these amazing medical advancements. So you won't ever hear me bash one way or the other. I think the pendulum needs to come somewhere in the middle and learn to work together. And that's what we're missing. And I really, I mean, thank goodness I had those doctors to diagnose me and they had the machines that could give me the information I needed, right? I would be crazy to say that there's no need and they're all crooked. Like that's not the Mm -hmm. truth. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, you know, it was what I learned beyond that. The um, conventional medicine told me they have a cookie cutter recipe for cancer typically. And I think that is slowly changing. But in 2020, that was still the case. Um, But that it was 16 rounds of chemo is what they told me to do. Come to find out. 
my DCIS does not respond to chemo. And that's known oh. in, in every medical establishment. But because it had popped out of the milk duct a little bit, they just wanted to treat me over treat, which I see a lot, uh, mm-hmm. as invasal ductal carcinoma. So if I had listened and not gone to a integrative type doctor, I would have gone into 16 rounds of chemo that likely would have killed me before DCIS would have ever, because DCIS is very slow growing. It had probably been in my body for seven to 10 years before it formed a tumor. Had I not been pregnant, I may have never known I had Mm -hmm. it. Let's just be honest. Um, So yeah. it, it, it was a really bizarre situation getting, getting, I say getting, but going through that and being able to learn like, wow. And so when I went to the integrative side and talked to a doctor, he had spent most of his years, he was probably like 75, 80 at the time. And so he had spent most of his years in the conventional cancer world. And he said he had to step out because it was so crooked. Oh. He said, when you walk in and you say, I have cancer, you are a million dollar golden egg to them. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to get what's best for you. And so his goal was to treat and figure out what's best for each person in each situation. Mm-hmm. And um, he spent hours talking to me just about that. Um, the best care I've ever received from any kind of doctor. And I was like, wow, this is the difference. And to compare, I had an oncologist that, of course, 2020, we're doing a lot of phone call visits. So she calls me, rushes me off the phone in 30 minutes because, mm-hmm. you know, it really doesn't even take time to hear the story because I was real confused on why it popped up overnight. Why did it hurt? Well, I had a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just rushed me off the phone and it was, um, I was in between, on top of everything else, I was switching insurances. So, uh, charged me $900 for that 30 minute phone call. Uh. <laughs> and I thought our system is so messed up. This is so messed up. Where do I even begin to address this? And so that, like I said, that started my training ground for understanding how I could help people even more. And there's a lot of, a lot of people out there that feel a little bit lost when they hear that cancer diagnosis. So. Absolutely. I feel like I have an hour's worth of things to respond to you there. Um, just, just my experience in the ICU that mirrors so much of what you said. Um, oh my gosh, so much. But I think part of it is doctors in general, no longer really learn how the body works for the sake of knowing how the body works. It's more so how does this medicine work with the body to fix the problem someone came in for? They're not looking long-term, just simple things like x-raying all these kids to find, you know, find something out, but they don't focus on the fact that those x-rays multiple times are not good for the kids. You know, it's little things like that. They're thinking such in such a short term, like fix this Mm. problem here and now, not long-term in any sense, but, um, right. I don't know. And like Cecily, you mentioned about the, um, um, what, what was your example that you gave the hormone was balancing? Just, was oh, it the hormone horm- balancing. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Hormone balancing. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. People like doctors will say, you know, there's no such thing as an alkaline diet. There's no such thing. Your <laughs> blood balances your acid base balance. I'm like, I've seen you firsthand order bicarb uh-huh. multiple times when somebody's coding and right. we've kept someone alive for like 15 extra minutes yeah. by giving them bicarb because uh-huh. yes, it's going into their system. So oh, it's just like, yes. it's like they can do things <sighs> and watch them work, but not understand that process outside of that one 
instance, you know? Right. Um, yes. Yes. Sometimes and I, you think it's so simple. Like I'm not, I don't think I'm that smart, but it just didn't, it, it wasn't hard to see that your pamphlet says, don't do a steroid. You said, you know, with a yeah. steroid, like something's wrong. I mean, like, yeah. I feel like I'm in the crazy zone sometimes. Like, like you said, I'm not that smart. I think that that's part <laughs> of it though. It's like the knowledge that comes from a book versus the knowledge that comes from life experience and being able to apply it. That's two yes. separate things. Sense. It really yeah. is. It really is. Well, yes. and I wonder how much of it is that vicious cycle that I talked about earlier too. Like I, I see the vicious cycle when it comes to health choices and being able to fix that because of time and energy and resources, but also perhaps with doctors, right? They get done school. They're loaded down with debt. They're working like crazy and they know what they've been told and they know what they've done before and they do that and they continue on this cycle. Mm-hmm. And I think this is probably the case for some and not for all. They continue on that cycle because they don't want to take the time or maybe feel they don't have the time have the time to take to look at things outside of this the cycle that's been created for them, right? And mm-hmm. it just mm-hmm. perpetuates. All right, we're taking a short break from our conversation with Jill because we want to tell you about one of our sponsors for this episode, which is World Watch News. Obviously, we love World Watch News. That has been no secret over the course of this podcast. Um, But we want to tell you about it again, because as Rita said at the beginning, it's time to start thinking about gifts. And I actually think a really great gift would be a World Watch subscription for the families in your lives, or maybe a gift for your own family. They have a couple options, World Watch News, which we talk about often. So what parents and teachers are reporting that they're seeing in their kids is as they watch World Watch News, it's sparking wonder at how God made the world. It's increasing compassion and curiosity within the kids. It's leading to logical conversations between adults and students. It's boosting the confidence of kids in awareness of current events. And it's also leading to thoughtful prayers for the people behind the headlines, which is really cool when you can pray with your kids and see them bringing to the Lord the concerns of this world. I think that's really great and a really great way for kids to grow both in their faith and in their knowledge of things happening on earth. But they also have print magazines, which are a great option as well. These magazines meet kids where they are. They cover relevant topics and school subjects and help them grow into godly, discerning adults. You'll find that as you flip through the pages of their fresh news stories, it paints a picture and shows kids who created the world and who is in control. So these materials can meet kids at every age and stage. So be sure to check out the link in our show notes to try out World Watch News for free and to find where you can find those magazines. I always say, I I kind of feel sorry for doctors sometimes because I think many of them go in truly feeling like, I'm sure they want to make lots of money. That's fine. Who doesn't want to make money? I'm not going to like down somebody for that. But I feel like they go in wanting to help people, wanting to learn, wanting to, you know, be intelligent and and help people. And it's just our system is created to support an acute care system. And who Mm -hmm. wants to live from acute illness to acute illness, which is what most Americans live by. It is I remember just when I when my kids stopped getting sick when we took elderberry syrup. I know it sounds so simple, but I felt so empowered. All of a sudden I had something in my home that I could give that was safe, that I trusted, that worked. I didn't have to take off work, which was a big deal. I mean, I was a hardworking mama with a bunch of kids. And, you know, I was like, I didn't have to take off work. I didn't have to run to the doctor. I didn't have to like stress about what's wrong with it. I just 
took out a racer or gave them a racer or what. And I was, I felt so empowered, you know, and I think we just need more of that. Our doctors were not trained in that and it's fine to do what they do. But my goal, and that's what I tell everyone is I want to live a life that is so empowered from home that I don't need them that often. That's my goal. If I need them, okay, great. I'm so glad that they're trained to help me get over this acute illness so I can be well on my way. But I don't want to need them. Ideally, I'll never need them, you know, but, you know, sometimes we do and that's okay. But that is the thing. I grew up, it was run to the doctor for every little thing. And then you get on a medicine and then, oh my gosh, the antibiotic causes a yeast infection. And nobody would, it was just one ailment after another. And you just, I remember when my kids were young thinking, okay, I just have to be okay with and expect that every other month, there's going to be some sickness that pops up that we're going to have to go to the doctor over. Like, this is the way of life. I accepted that. And because I didn't know any better. Mm-hmm. And I think so many, especially Americans, live like that. And it's so rewarding when people figure out there's a better way. It's not that we don't need the medical system or whatnot. It is that you can be empowered right there in your home to live a healthier life and hopefully over time stop needing that acute care that we know is man-made and it is it, it doesn't always solve the problem. It might immediately, but long term it's not the answer. So well there's another yeah. portion to that empowerment aside from just having something to help yourself at home, but how your yes. mind works and yeah. your disposition, like spiritually, all of that, uh-huh. the feeling of empowerment, yes. those things actually are healers as well. And that's Absolutely. another area that is missing yeah. within the healthcare system. You know, uh-huh. you go to the hospital and or go to the doctor, like you did get a cancer diagnosis and so <laughs> many people like instantly, it's just bad news, bad news, bad news. There's no like... Uh-huh. This is what we're going to do and we're going to beat this. And same thing during the COVID situation. You know, I think fear Mm. was a major factor in in some of the deaths because the mindset of, you know, you go in the hospital, you see no family members, everybody tells you you're going to die. Well, Mm -hmm. what do you think is going to happen if the doctors don't believe you're going to heal, if the nurses don't believe you're going to heal, if your respiratory therapist doesn't believe you're going to heal and you don't see anybody that believes in you? What do you, you you know what I mean? Like that's, that's that's a whole, that's a whole thing in itself. Cancer, I've always said, just being going through it. And then, of course, once you have cancer, like you get to be connected to all the cancer people. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you're just kind Mm -hmm. of in this cancer world that you don't want to be in. But (laughs) I've seen it firsthand. There is a like a spirit of fear that literally I think is attached to cancer in general. Mm -hmm. So it is so much fear mongering. And yet you feel helpless. Like you feel so afraid of cancer because it is on every commercial. All the women are bald that are going through it, which to me, I was more scared of losing my hair than I was having cancer. I just, that's what I equated having cancer to was all the bald women in my life. You know, I just, it's just, it's heavy and it is fear mongering. And a lot of the, unfortunately, I've, my experience has been with the conventional medical system. There was so much fear mongering. I just, I wanted, I couldn't get away from it fast enough because that's not how I operate. I don't live with fear. And, um, so when I would, you know, it it was, you just, I don't even know where to start that the fear mongering that happens when you go through something like that, but it was heavy. And it was, um, it, I thought, man, I, I just, 
it is like if you don't do it our way, you will you'll probably not have good chances yeah. of living. Well, that's what I wanted to ask so you about. And with the fear mongering, it makes the question even better because I sometimes imagine what a horrible thing to imagine. Like, oh, what would happen if I was diagnosed with cancer? How would I respond? Would I be brave enough to do like what you did and seek out something different? Or would I, in fear, do exactly what I was told to do? So Mm -hmm, when you mm -hmm. decided to say no to the, like the 16 rounds of chemo and to find Mm -hmm. this other doctor, um, how was it for you? Like navigating that fear mongering and choosing to do that anyway. And like, what kind of treatment did you end up receiving? Mm -hmm. So, um, great question. So it was interesting, this integrative doctor that I visited with, he specialized in cancer. And um, we spent three or four hours on during my first visit, just sitting down at a table, going through all of the causes of cancer. The first thing he addressed with me was my self-confidence, hmm. which is so ironic. 75-ish year old man. And that's the first thing, like, He started going through your mental state and your self-confidence and, you know, how you see yourself. And that was the first cancer spiel was addressing my, you talked about fear and the mentality of it all, like how powerful the brain is, you know, there's so much to learn there that we just have left behind. So Mm -hmm. that it was so interesting that that's where he started with me. And then he went on to, you know, food and lifestyle and in the way we live and and all the things that, you know, can affect people who get cancer or, you know, preventing cancer. And so it was such a learning experience. But so what we did, um, obviously with me being pregnant was tricky. I had to get the baby here first. So I, that's another difference. Conventional was like, you got to do it now. We can just start chemo while you're pregnant. And I'm thinking, y'all have lost your mind. <laughs> so I was like, hold up. And I had enough people in front of me. I had a couple of friends that have, that were more integrative approach with their cancer that had gone before me who were like, Jill, there's not a rush. You're not, this is not going to kill. This didn't happen overnight and it's not going to kill you overnight. Right. Okay. They want to make you believe you've got to start now. You've got to do everything so urgent and fear-based. Um, when I went to the integrative place, it was like, okay, let's talk through this and then let's get a plan and let's do some testing. Let's, um, so first things first, got the baby here. She was healthy and safe. We did have to do a C-section, but she was, she was healthy, weighed seven, seven and great. So mm-hmm. thankful we got that behind us. So then it was time okay, to figure out a plan. Um, so what I did is while we were figuring out our plan, so we did a, a Greek test where they test for cancer cells that are circulating in the body. It has to been, be sent off to Greece. Uh, but it tells you that can kind of give you a sign as to how aggressive your cancer is. Mm-hmm. Of course, America doesn't do it or pay for it. It's very expensive. A lot of the treatments I did are not available to typical Americans that live paycheck to paycheck. It was very expensive. I did it because I wanted to learn and see, you know, what options are out there. But um, he said, you're not going to see these things ever covered by insurance because you can't, these things don't make them money, right? So they're making millions of dollars off cancer patients per patient. And um, he was like, and him being in the medical establishment, he could say, you know, firsthand that, this is the way this works. And these treatments mm-hmm. also work. They set me up with a, an, an oncologist that um, kind of saw the truth. So he was a, a conventional oncologist, but he also supported what I was doing. So what I did until I had more information was I did high-dose uh, vitamin C IVs several times a week. I did high-dose curcumin. 
um, which is for inflammation, um, oh, ozone therapy. So they have all these, my clinic that I visited had all of these therapies that I began doing. Um, then they also do something called IPT low-dose chemo, which I thought was very interesting. And my oncologist actually, I said, what do you think about this? Although this was before I knew that chemo wouldn't even, it wasn't needed. So I did do some of this type chemo, but this is the kind of chemo that doesn't hurt you really. <laughs> it hurts cancer cells. Um, but I asked him, I said, what do you think about this kind of chemo? Um, he said, I know it works. I've seen it with my own eyes, so it would be worth a try. You can always go do hardcore chemo, real chemo, conventional chemo, but this would be worth a try for you. So nonetheless, I didn't need chemo. I needed to have surgery. I needed to get the tumor out and change my lifestyle. That was my my that was my protocol to getting over cancer. Um, but I was playing with some things until then, right? Until I could get all of that information back from all the testing and things. So um, IPT low-dose chemo is actually what they do is um, they use glucose to go in. And obviously we know cancer cells love sugar. They love it. So they open up, they start eating that glucose. And what they do is take about 10% of conventional chemo that they would typically use and follow it up while the cancer cells are open and hungry. And they gobble up that chemo and the chemo only attacks cancer cells, not your whole body. So I had zero side effects from this. Mm -hmm. um, and so this was something that the oncologist supported and he knew had worked and seen people's tumors shrink and things. There's lots of research behind it, but it, again, you can't make any money using 10% of the chemo, so they're not ever going to approve it, right? So I just played with some of that until I could figure out what was next. Then they were like, okay, for you, we believe surgery is best for you. I had a very large tumor in my breast. So it was like, you couldn't just like leave it there and watch it. It was like, okay, we need to get rid of it. Um, I worked with another integrative cancer doctor in Colorado who said the same thing. Sometimes you just need to get rid of the hurdle. You know, this is probably many years of, of poor choices that have compiled. You just need to get rid of the hurdle and now we can move on and teach you new lifestyle ways. And I learned so much to that point. So that's what I did. I played with some of those IV therapies. Um, after cancer, I did do a double mastectomy. Um, I was able to find a clinic who used my own tissue to rebuild my breast. So I've been able to help a lot of women dodge um, implants um, as they've pursued what options. And I here, I was not even told, I was told you should have to go flat. They didn't even like know about reconstructive. <laughs> it was wild. So mm -hmm. I was like, what? And so then, yeah, so I used my own tissue um, to rebuild my breasts. So they feel completely natural. Um, so um, after that, it was time to get to work learning what can I do to never have to go through this again. So that was that was the guy heal from surgery, heal from having a baby. <laughs> what happened very quickly yeah. uh, within three months of each other. So um, beyond that, it was okay. Now it's time to learn and grow because you have a lot of people looking to you, you know, to help them. And I never want people to go through what I went through. So. Um, from there, it was it was a lot of IVs. It was a lot of diet changes, um, stress, learning to manage my stress, learning to ask for help, uh, focusing on you know my my mental uh, capabilities and you know just that the brain power you know that your thoughts have. Um, drawing close to the Lord was number one. I mean, He carried me through and. Uh, honestly gave me a story to tell, you know, like 
I think that I would have lost some hope through all of that had it not been for, like I said in the beginning, he carried the weight, not me, because I didn't start the business. He did. I was like, you did this. this there's no explaining mm-hmm. this away. This doesn't just happen. So if you're doing this, what are you up to, God? I need you to show me. And he just, honestly, he just kept telling me, if you could see what was on the other side of this, you would understand. And of course, we tripled several times since then and uh, been able to reach so many more people and have grown so much as a company. And it, it put me in a place that I feel like I'm better equipped to lead people, not just with products. I was really good at making safer products and really giving people hope in that area, but I, I needed to know more. People mm-hmm. needed to hear more from me than just Rocasa products. So Rocasa is really, really um, determined to educate beyond just safer products, you know? So we have like, I've written guides that you can get on our website, things like that. Just things that I learned along the way, cleaning up our air, cleaning up our, you know, some of the cosmetics that Rocasa doesn't offer. Just anything that I can offer to help people get on the road to health, I'm putting it out there. And so, so is my staff. So it was a, it was definitely the training ground and very eye-opening experience. Um, but the goal now is to hopefully not have to go through that again. So I keep helping people not have to go through that. Your story is so powerful. It is. <laughs> I'm sitting here like I have a podcast and it takes some time <laughs> out of my life and I have a six month old and things, but I'm thinking like, okay. I feel really busy, but you had a baby, had surgery, right. had a huge business, um, all these, you know, things happening at once. And you seem like just so like, you're talking about it, but you're not like super emotional. You're just like, this happened yeah. and this is what I did. And I was like, wow. There's joy. Yeah. yeah. There really is. Honestly, I just, and, and that goes back to a lot with my relationship with God. It's when you have been through things, you, life's full of hard things. And that was a yeah. hard thing. I cried many tears. Don't, don't, don't think otherwise because I did. And I still do. I deal with, I deal with fear, that fear that wants to attach to this, you know, experience that I had. I deal with it every day. Um, the anxiety of is that ache or pain cancer? You know, most mm-hmm. cancer patients deal with that. And that's very real and very hard to overcome. But when you have a relationship with God and you know that his promises are true and you're able to look back on something like what I went through, which sounds like, how did you survive that? Um, a baby in the middle of a pandemic with a business that's doubling and tripling and, you know, breast cancer. It's like, I mean, it, it was so scary, but yet he carried me every step of the way through that. And on the other side, now I'm kind of on the other side and I've been able to see, it was so interesting. Um, the, the month in November is actually coming up. That's when I had my surgery and I was declared cancer free. So I'm coming up on three years, but went that same month. It was November 13th, Friday the 13th. I had my surgery, y'all. I said, it's a good thing. I am not superstitious, okay? But um, yeah, that's the day I was actually declared cancer-free. And that was also the month that our business doubled. Um, we had, That's the first time we had really ever done that. So um, it was like almost God saying, I got you. I got you. This There's a reason for this. And he's, I think, a lot more 
concerned about our growth than he is our comfort. And I know that having worked with him for quite a few years and, and, and not perfectly at all, but just knowing his character totally brought me through um, something like most people would look at and say, how did you get through that? It's him. It's him. And when you can look back on something like that and say, thank you, God, because honestly, I wasn't ready for what you had for me. And had I not gone through that, I'd be a mess. So um, I can truthfully say, I, I never want to go through it again, ever. <laughs> but I am thankful for that training ground that I had that, that, um, that took me to a place where I can be a better leader and, and teach people more about health than I was prepared to do again. Because mm-hmm. I had not had anything major happen until then. Yeah. I get emotional actually listening to you talk about that and just how instrumental God is in all of it. Instrumental is not even the right word because he is just sovereign, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And I, Rita and I often talk about on this podcast about us as people maintaining an eternal perspective, which I feel is something you did really Mm -hmm. well. But I think something that people can lose sight of because a lot of people, a reason that they question God is because bad things happen, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And for them, that's a reason that they can't believe that he either exists or that he is good. Mm-hmm. Um, that's right. But we forget, even as Christians, that God only has an eternal perspective, right? Absolutely. And yes. like you said, mm-hmm. he's just a lot more concerned mm-hmm. with our growth than our comfort. So mm-hmm. even if the Lord was to have taken you home during your battle with cancer, it would have still been in his eternal perspective, the right thing for someone's growth, right? Which is a really hard thing for people to wrap their heads around. It's a really hard thing for me to wrap my head around. Mm -hmm. But to hear someone who has walked through it and just be able to say, thank you, God, for that. Like, that's what I needed as horrible Mm -hmm. as it was. Mm -hmm. It's a really, really powerful thing. It is. It is. It is. uh, That's the only way I can explain any of it. And so I always hope people that interview me are okay with me talking about God because there's no way to explain it all. Right. right. um, It just it is. And he had a goal. He had a purpose. He sees the future. You don't, you know, and I know knew enough to know that there's always purpose in the pain. And if we give it to him and just let him walk us through it, that he will use that pain for a purpose. And um, it's never wasted. It's never wasted. And that's the beautiful thing about having a relationship with the Lord. So that's, that's, that is where I've been and, and how I got through it because it was really hard and it was really scary. And it was, I did not expect it at all, but I, I, I will be honest, I needed it. Looking back at the person I was before that, I was having a little too much fun. <laughs> YOLO. I was say YOLO, girl. But I, I needed a, probably a little bit of a wake-up call. And um thankful that he didn't let me just run at all. He said, wait, Jill, I've got something to show you. And you're going to have to take a minute to learn. So, okay, God, I hear you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Maybe we should talk about awareness a little bit now because it is wrapping up Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And you laid yeah. out in that post like several problems, mm-hmm. <laughs> bullet mm-hmm. point problems with the way we deal with awareness. And yeah. I was looking up before we got on here a little bit about the Susan G. Komen Foundation because we know that's like pink washing, I think people call mm-hmm. it now. Um, mm-hmm. It's where the pink ribbon came from. Um, and 
I mean, I knew it was somewhat of, I guess scam is the best word I can think of for it. Um, And maybe you would disagree, but I was just looking up some of the numbers. So I'm going to throw these out here. About 20% of the money given to the Susan G. Komen Foundation actually goes to researching breast cancer. The rest of it is used Mm. um, Mm. for (laughs) paying for uh, salaries and things like yeah. that. Um, I think I can't remember what the amount was that they take in. Oh, okay, I've got it right here. Almost two hundred and sixty million dollars in donations. Um, and this was back in twenty sixteen, so it's probably mm-hmm. more now. And another problem with the company is the salary that they pay their their um, CEO is like I think around did I say $600,000, something like that, over half a million a year. Mm. (laughs) Um, And another interesting point was they actually have went after other people and organizations that use the phrase for the cure. So money being donated to them is actually being used in litigation, not just like saying, hey, don't use this. They're actually using money donated to them to research cancer instead to pursue litigation against other companies that use the phrase for the cure. And (laughs) they also partner with people like KFC and things that, (laughs) you know, companies that, like you said, this is where I'm getting into Mm -hmm. the the things that you Mm -hmm. said. They partner with companies that promote use of things that actually cause cancer. So (sighs) where do you even begin with that? (laughs) It's, it's, um, I will say for me, knowing what I know and knowing that there is so much we can do to prevent breast cancer, um, it's almost irritating. And I think I'll use the word nauseating in my Facebook post, but the pink washing that goes on, I'm like, I don't care about pink. I want, I care about the fact that you won't validate high dose vitamin C. I, don't, I care about that you haven't researched mistletoe injections. Like, why are we not really looking? We're not looking for a cure. Like you're, mm-hmm. you're not because there are so many things out there that need more research. I'm not saying they're the cure. I'm saying they do need more research so we can utilize them. But the funds are never going to go to that unless you can make money. And so I'm like, why? Why? It, it is, uh, it, it is insulting to us breast cancer survivors. If you know all that we know, um, mm-hmm that that it's it's like they're playing on people's emotions because guess what there are a lot of people with breast cancer they're everywhere and people are related to them and they have this this when you go along with anyone that has had cancer you have this tendency to want to support something that sounds like it's supporting breast cancer right so you're going to give they're playing on people's emotions and i can't stand that i can't stand that Mm -hmm. Like you said, those statistics are truly alarming. Well, prevention is the best cure, right? But if you prevent it, you don't have the problem in the first place. And then it it eliminates an entire business. And really, like you were talking about earlier, doctors Mm -hmm. aren't all evil, right? I don't Mm -hmm. think... This is one thing that really bothers me is... I've been very outspoken about the medical world, especially throughout mm-hmm. COVID, you know, and mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I, but <laughs> I don't want to promote people just thinking doctors are evil because that's not necessarily mm-hmm. true. I think yeah. they're so just like 
in this mess of a problem and they're trying to find a solution, but they're not looking to prevention either because it seems so complicated to them because it's been yeah. made so complicated. And like we talked about earlier, it's lacking that common sense, but mm-hmm. um, I'm not really sure where I was going with this, but it's just like, it's not this like simple, like m- the medical world's evil. It's not so simple right. as that. For sure. Um, you have to wonder because there is so much money to be made and money talks. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we know that. Um, is there a chance that they're ever going to want to look at preventive measures? Right. You know, I can't, I can't make that make sense for me for these doctors because unless they're just willing to go against everything they've been taught. Mm-hmm. And especially honestly, like far, the pharmaceutical industry, because like yeah. there's, there's doctors, yeah. there's a pharmaceutical mm-hmm. industry. Mm-hmm. There's some overlap there. But right. like the doctors have the patient after they have the problem, right? Right. So like mm-hmm. the doctor you're seeing for cancer didn't see you at the prevention stage, right? They're seeing right, you once you sure. have cancer. Mm-hmm. And so they're not even dealing in prevention. Really, like right. I think prevention should be more on us. And that's where you yes. come in, like helping educate mm-hmm. people. Because like even this, yes. um, her last name's Brinker, the sister to Susan G. Komen. She said, um, basically there's, when she started the Susan G. Cohen Foundation, she says there were um, 800 numbers, there wasn't the internet, and our government didn't spend much money on cancer, breast cancer research. But like the mm-hmm. question is, do we want our government to fix this problem for us? Because right. they don't right. really fix problems very well mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. at all. Like, oh, absolutely. Where, that, you know, because we complain yeah. about the doctors in the pharmaceutical industry, mm-hmm. but like, can we take some responsibility back ourselves? Absolutely. That is, that is what I argue all the time, especially being that we have, you know, uh, like personal care products that we make. I'm like, I try to educate people because I'm like in Europe, yes, the government has banned all these and we look to them and say, okay, why are they banning these ingredients? Does that mean I want our government to come in and do all the controlling? Not really. I am looking to educate and get people to wake up and think yes. for themselves. This is not a government mm-hmm. issue, really. It is a wake up and pay attention to what's in your stuff because it is a free for all. <laughs> so the, the key is that we wake up and we take charge of our health, not that we depend on the government. We know government. I'm like, do we even trust the government entities anymore? I feel like we don't. And so I'm like, are we calling on them? Because like no, I am calling on the people <laughs> to simply just wake up and take That's charge of their health and, and learn and realize you are capable. Back when I was running to the doctor for everything, I didn't know. Truthfully, I did not know. And I was a smart person with a college education. I did not know that when it came to my health, I could actually think for myself. Mm-hmm. And that is sad, but that is the system I grew up in. We ran to the doctor for everything. That the doctors were God, and that's misplaced. Mm-hmm. There's there's some good doctors out there. Doctors are great at acute care. If I have a broken bone, please give me a doctor to fix it. Right, mm-hmm. but. They are not God. They are not the ones teaching us to be healthy. And I have to question, where is the education? Why does my teenage daughter not know anything about her cycle? But should they would put her on birth control in a heartbeat. But why has why is there not a class in our educational system in our schools about their cycles just for girls, for them to understand their cycles, understand their hormones? It has gotten just so far away from using, like you said, common sense to... Mm-hmm you know, wake up the masses that have been deceived by this, whatever's going on. Yeah. I have doctor friends who uh, I think 
they will actually recommend Rocasa around here. So that's cool. The doctors are kind of trying to, you know, jump in and um, some of them mean well. And I have one who, who says, Jill, even so I have talked to people about their lifestyle. They don't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. He says, that's easy for you to say because you're over there with a bunch of people who are motivated and wanting to change their health. But the people I see don't care to make any lifestyle choices. So to me, that's the real issue is the people waking up and realizing it is on them and they can do better. They can do better. They are capable. They are smart. You can you can wake up and take control of your health. But so many people don't want to. And I'm going to say at one point, I probably didn't want to either. I wanted to go in and I wanted that doctor to give my kid an antibiotic because I didn't know any better. I knew the antibiotic fixed it for a minute and I could get some rest, right? But the more I woke up, I realized that's doing more harm. And that is, I think that's the key to education, just exactly what y'all are doing, having these podcasts, teaching, helping people open their eyes to a better way. There is a better way. Yeah. yeah. And that's where freedom and personal responsibility come in. We can't fix things yes. for people. And um, that's not our yes. job. Our job is to put information yes. out there, um, lead by example. And if people want to follow along, if people want to take it upon themselves, that's that's on them. And I think that's just a whole nother can of worms, but that's a problem in our country. You want to fix everything for everybody and you can't do it. You can't do it. And that's why we have the government we have that's so oversized and um, creating problems instead of solutions. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I agree with that. (sighs) That was good. Do you have anything else that you want to cover in this episode, Rita? Well, my kids have questions. Oh my gosh, they're two really simple questions, but guys, when I told, so before I came down here to record, I had told my oldest actually asked, who are you recording with today? They're always interested. And I said, Jill Rowe from Rowe Casa. And they're like, oh my gosh, like it was like celebrity moment because they love it when we get a Rowe Casa package. And I was telling Jill before we got on, um, they get mad if I will open it before they're both there. Like they want to see it. They want to, and actually, so (laughs) the last time we recorded an ad, I had, Cecily had one of her kids record an ad for World Watch News. And I was like, hey girls, do you want to record this Rocasa ad with me? And my middle child says, yeah. Um, Cause I said, what's your favorite product? She said, the toilet spray. I said, okay, never mind. You are not recording this ad with me, you goofball. Okay, toilet spray is good. <laughs> it is, but it's hilarious. Like your favorite product as a nine-year-old is kid so is toilet funny. spray. Okay, whatever. <laughs> you just got fired. <laughs> yeah. So um, there are two questions for you. One was, do you make products in a factory or a house? Okay, so that's a great question. It started in my house. And then, uh, you know, when you make products for the public, it becomes a whole thing. And lots of, um, we're trying to get our GMP certification. So we do have our own facility now um, and lots of staff because there was no way I could keep up with the demand. And so here we are. Yeah, we're in a facility now. We manufacture our own products. So um, I don't know if many know this, but most people who make products at the amount that we make, they just send them off to a co-packing facility. So there will be people who actually make it for you because having the machinery, not that we're handmade, but like we made everything we mix up, we may pour in something to pour evenly and keep it mixed, things like that. So um, to do that is just a really big undertaking. Many will not do that, but I prefer to do that because 
I want to have control over all parts of the making <laughs> process. I don't that. trust many people. Yeah. So they will just send it off and tell them what ingredients to use and hope they use the right stuff, right? And I'm way too picky for that. So we do manufacture all of our products in-house, um, and it's a whole thing. I'm thankful that you guys do. (laughs) I I can't do it any other way. I mean, my trust is broken. It's been Mm. broken too many times. Mm. And in this process of learning how it's typically done and the way it's typically done is part of the problem. So Mm. a lot of people look at us like we have two heads when we tell them we manufacture all of our own stuff. That's amazing. I I really feel like you can tell the difference. Mm -hmm. I I, I really do. do Yeah. Yeah. It's homemade. It's for sure. It's just out of a a, a facility now that's very, uh, has lots of regulations and codes and like we're, you know, we had to, we had to step up our game a little bit than my, my home kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) It's very important. Yes. Yes. Okay. And my other daughter, her question was, do your kids help with product ideas or making the products? (laughs) <laughs> so in the beginning, yes, they would be like, I need this. I'm like, let me see what I can find. I'll find me a recipe and, and order the ingredients. So they were totally in on that. My daughter tells everybody she hated the elderberry days because, I mean, we had a small home and I would make these big pot meats. People started ordering so much. I would make these big pots and it was in my whole house would smell like elderberry syrup and they hated it. <laughs> it's a very, because of the cinnamon, the clove and the uh, ginger that goes in, it's a very strong smell. And just the elderberry too alone, it was just like, it would knock them out. Their clothes smell up and go to school smelling like elderberry. <laughs> we were, we were the elderberry people. So, um, they, they did, they would come up and then we got our first little commercial kitchen and they would come up and, and help. I would show them how to make simple. In the beginning, my products were pretty simple because I was just learning. Now they're a little more like fancy, but in the beginning, it was like, add a little salt to this, add some, you know, silver to this, you know, it was pretty simple, but they would, they, they helped before. Now, obviously we were just, uh, very, very particular about how things are done. But in the beginning, they were part of that. Yes. That's great. <laughs> awesome. It's great to okay. share that with your kids as well. So. It is. It's awesome. so cool to find things that I, actually, one thing that you mentioned also that I find really cool. We were just chatting a little bit before we started recording. You wanted to know about me. You wanted to know about Rita. And I was telling you about mm-hmm. how Rita had lost her job during the COVID fiasco. And you had said that you have a bunch of nurses on your staff that are in the exact same position. And I just thought it was really cool how someone who had gone through losing a job that they were probably passionate about found a home with you doing something that they're potentially even more passionate about because of the Mm -hmm. fact that you guys are really changing lives. And I just thought that was such a cool fit for nurses that have had to find something else to do. It's the perfect, you know, I have therapists, I have nurse practitioners, I've had nurses. I mean, we have a mix of some people in the, and several of them went through what you probably went through. It was like, take a shot or, you know, lose your job. And they were like, I'm losing my job. I'm going to find something different. They're very excited that they did what they did because um, they're living their best life now yeah. <laughs> and, and getting to educate the masses. I mean, one of the girls is um, had actually over our marketing team. So all of that education that's getting to be poured out, it's her, it's her coming up and her putting it together and making it pretty. And she is getting to do 
what was the whole reason she lost her job because of something she believed in, you know? And so it is neat to be able to, it's a perfect fit in my opinion, because they have health knowledge, but they, and they know how the body works, but they also are committed to this mission that we're on and have experienced that firsthand. So it's been fun to be able to collaborate with people like that. Yeah. Well, that's great. All right. So I think we should probably wrap it up there. Um, Jill, uh, it's obvious for people that they can find you at rowcastorganics.com. You said you have a blog there as well, like with informational things for people, mm-hmm. which I think mm-hmm. would be very helpful. Is there any other place that you would direct people to? Um, I think our most interactive community is the Rowcast Organics VIP group. So it's linked to our main page, which is just Rocasa Organics. But the VIP group allows people to ask their questions. Um, pretty much anything goes other than negativity. Um, so we, we try to keep it. It's got a lot of members now. It's grown a lot. So we try to keep it very, you know, geared in the right way. But it's just really great for new people coming in. They can ask, hey, what do y'all have for this? And, you know, have y'all had any success with this for this element? Or, you know, like they're just very interactive and encouraging and people share their experiences. We have, you know, over 250, almost 300 products now. And so that can be a little overwhelming. So that group would be the first place I would start. Obviously, our Instagram um, is a great place too, where you can get a lot of education and fun reels and that's my sister over there and she's way cooler and hipper than I am so I say I'm, I'm hanging out with the old folks on Facebook and she's over there young and hip with the cute people on Instagram so, no but we we do we love we've tag teamed our our social media so that we could reach more people because I can only handle one I cannot like social media is a whole thing too and so I'm big on Facebook she's on Instagram we're also on TikTok um yeah. So we have a lot of ways that people can connect with us and our customer service team is large and we're very passionate about taking care of our customers. So they can reach out anytime and get answers to their questions and help and all that. That's awesome. So, well, thank yep. you so much for what you do. Truly. Thank you. Um, yeah. One more just funny story. Last week we did an ad for Rocasa on the podcast and <laughs> Yeah. It was all about deodorant. So thank you oh, for I your deodorant. <laughs> Yay, I love the deodorant. Yay. Yeah. It's and also, it just thank you for sharing. talking about oh, being sorry. sweaty. Yeah. Do I? It just started off with us talking about how sweaty we get recording these podcasts. Oh, and- yeah. <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah. I love it. Well, thank y'all so much mm-hmm. for just reaching out to me and letting me connect with you guys. So... Well, thank you for telling your story. Um, I really can't wait to release it. I think it'll be really impactful for a lot of people. I'm excited too. Thank you guys. If you've listened to this and now you're so intrigued by what Jill and her team are doing, don't forget to check out Rocasa Organics. You can click the link in our show notes to check out their website. And if you want to make an order through them, you can use the code BOOMCLAP to save 20% off your first order. And if you want to find us outside the podcast, you can find us as always on Instagram at boomclappodcast. I'm on there personally as well at cecily.dickey or my website, thegracetogrow.com. And you can find me, Rita, at ritarogersco.com or Rita Rogers Co. on Instagram. Thanks for listening.